Hello, my people. I'm Omar DeWint, communications executive here at Severe Real Estate in sunny Miami, bringing you another installment in our How to Be a Top Producer series dedicated to breaking down the methods and strategies of the industry's top thought leaders, experts, and all-around rainmakers. These are the tips you can apply to your business today, and we're excited to bring them to you. We're bringing a bit of a twist for you on today's episode, taking a departure from branding, marketing, and sales techniques to talk about wellness and mindfulness. Why, you ask? Well, what is the point of attaining all that we seek, reaching our goals, and gaining success if we sacrifice our health and well-being in the process? I had the distinct pleasure of interviewing yoga warrior Peter Kalin recently. He's got a beautiful story and some very helpful tips on how to practice mindfulness on our busy day-to-day. It's a bit of a longer episode, so I'll warn you, but it is totally worth it. You're going to learn how to use your breathing, be in the moment, stay present, uh, and live your life without judgment. So you can break it up on your commute, uh, your gym session, maybe just one plane trip, whatever works for you. Either way, I hope you find meaning in Peter's lessons. And remember, you're beautiful, life is beautiful, and the future is always bright, especially here in Miami, and I'm sure it is wherever you're listening from. Before we get into the show, I want to read you a little backgrounder on mindfulness and wellness that Peter gave us to essentially help set the table for all of you uh, as we get into the show. In the modern vernacular, mindfulness is the wisdom of awareness that was intended when yoga and meditation were introduced to the West in the 1960s and 70s. Elements of both are integral to today's practice of mindfulness. However, it could be easy to confuse or blur our understanding and treat them as distinct and unrelated. Just remember, the practices are symbiotically similar and that the same intention of health, well-being, and wellness peace and happiness is common to all. Today, these practices are distilled into mindfulness. However, they have more immediacy because of the apocalyptic onslaught of the contagion we call stress. We all know that one, right? (laughs) Stress appears to affect us all mentally, physically, emotionally, and energetically. Uh, We now recognize scientifically its insidious and diabolical effects on the human organism. So what could be more important than sharing information on a practice that could help you experience less stress, more clarity, uh, be more productive, be less agitated, calmer, and more peaceful? Welcome to Mindfulness. Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, we are focusing on mindfulness and how to apply scientifically proven techniques to help you reduce stress, improve concentration, and cultivate a sense of balance, resilience, and joy, among other things in your life. Guiding us through that journey today is a true disciple of the yoga arts, someone who has studied its ancient wisdom since the age of 15, and that is none other than yoga warrior Peter Kalin. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks, Omar. Thanks for having me here. Of course, it's our pleasure. And as I mentioned off air, uh, super excited to dive into this topic of mindfulness today. It's it's a, it's a bit of a departure from our standard how to be a top producer series, you know, focusing on sales, marketing and and whatnot techniques. But mindfulness is something that is, uh, I think we both agree, is, is critical to not only success, but overall well-being. Yes, and uh, we're, we're privileged to have you uh, here to share your, your wisdom and insights. No, I think the privilege is mine. Uh, again, thanks for having me here. Of course. So without further ado, um, Peter, why don't you help our listeners uh, first sort of get acquainted with you uh, as a as a point of interest to me when I was going through your your website and bio, when I saw that you at age 15, which I mean, for most is even before they're legally allowed to have a driver's license, <laughs> you already sort of were, were had this passion and, and struck by um, the, the idea of, of yoga and, and sort of its wisdom. So if you could sort of help us understand you and your journey, what's motivated you and got us here today. Yeah, I'd love to share that. Uh, at 15, I was, as most teenagers, looking for self-development. I was an athlete in high school. And I came across a book on yoga, and something intuitively suggested to me, my instincts told me, this might help prevent injuries. It might do other things like keep me flexible. And I don't know how I knew to do that at that point in time because that was not part of the normal way of training back in those days. Now, professional athletes hire yoga trainers. So we're talking now 40, 50 years ago, so some time ago. But something led me to do that, and uh, um, it has been with me ever since. It hasn't been a continuous practice, which I really have learned from mindfulness, um, the importance of. But it was a practice that was always pervasive in my life, and uh, I'm, I'm delighted because it has 
benefited me in many ways at different times in my life. Um, like all of us, I've had my challenges. I've had abundance in my life. I've had great opportunities. Um, that high school athlete um, was able to attend the University of Michigan, a uh, very prestigious football power. Of course. Um, it um, enabled me to get a college education um, and uh, um, also positioned me to do other things with my life uh, as well. And, you know, I think some of that was fortuitous and some of it was just the kind of work, the consciousness that yoga and these kind of uh, arts like yoga, meditation, mindfulness, they engender in you. It, it draws out, I think, an instinctual embodiment of things that otherwise we're too distracted to recognize. And I'll talk about that a lot more. But uh, not only did I, was I able to attend Michigan, but I also was able to go to law schools. Uh, I went to Cornell Law and I got an MBA while I was there. And so again, I feel very fortuitous that I was able to attend schools like that, get an education like that, be able to um, be eligible for great jobs. But I would be remiss if I only talk about my highlights because I think we do enough of that with social media these days. And um, I transferred out of Michigan, which is probably one of the biggest mistakes looking back I made in my life. Um, and I transferred to Temple. I had a decent uh, career there. But um, I learned a lot of lessons about humbleness, staying present, there were a lot of challenges, and I only mention this because challenges are part of the human condition. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness is powerful in helping us um, weather those storms, sure. ride those waves. So um, I um, have been studying yoga, as you said, for years, but it's in the last 10 years that I've become much more um, devoted to understanding it. Uh, after working a career as an international tax attorney for a Fortune 100 company, American Express, um, I found myself pursuing, interestingly enough, a, a, a high-end real estate development that was an absolute disaster. Oh, wow. But it, it transformed my life. It put me on a different path. At the time, I thought it was just the path of um, pursuing some other entrepreneurial venture. But eventually, I wound up going back, and I thought, well, maybe the academic route is how I need to go again. And so I'll go back to school, and I got another degree. <laughs> <laughs> and that one was in what? It's an LLM in human rights. I thought maybe I would pursue that path, maybe more social justice. There was something in me that was leading me towards a path of service. And interestingly enough, as I was pursuing, as I had obtained my LLM and was in the midst of getting a doctorate, I started teaching yoga, and it has just been a journey that hasn't stopped. This is now 10 years ago. Wow. So, Peter, in terms of uh, to sort of set the playing field, because we talked about mindfulness, yoga, and whatnot, help me and our listeners sort of understand um, sort of the, the Rolodex. We talk about mindfulness, yoga, other practices, sort of what are the differences and, and sort of what are the similarities? Well, they're all kind of an ancient wisdom is one way to synthesize it. These are practices that have been around for thousands of years. Yoga is, is documented as having been a written tradition 5,000 years ago. There's something called the Yoga Sutras full of a ton of knowledge. Um, I look at the sutras sometimes as a way for human beings to evolve. It's amazing some of the things that are in there. They're very common to us in a lot of our religious practice. And one of the most pronounced that comes to my attention is in one of the first branches of these sutras, these yoga principles, um, what the first branch, which is moral, ethical conduct, the first um, uh, kind of doctrine, first rule is nonviolence. Nonviolence is something that has, um, as we, as we know, affected, directed some of the greatest men in our mm -hmm. lifetime, Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, 
So nonviolence is something that, imagine if we had a world where we adhered to practicing nonviolence. So we don't at a level of civilization, society, as much as perhaps we could, but it is suggestive. All of these principles not only are suggestive of the total human civilization, but on an individual level, your human condition, how are you being nonviolent with yourself is an example using that nonviolent, nonviolent with people around you. So that's the kind of wisdom that is in yoga, and it's principles that help us weather the storms and challenges of our lives. Uh, and mindfulness, meditation, they're all kind of ingrained mm -hmm. in these principles. So in yoga, for instance, in these yoga sutras that I speak of, they talk about, all right, so moral, ethical conduct. They talk about self-development. We have tons of self-development books in our modern times. Well, this talks about how to achieve an evolved consciousness. And when I say an evolved consciousness, I'm not talking about um, you know, magic or things like that. It may be as just simple as being present which is kind of where mindfulness now starts to take us in an interesting way. And um, it's captured the attention of a large segment, a larger segment of the Western population, which is probably at a much needed time because we, we are in a lot of stress and a lot of agitation these days. And we're very, we're very conflicted confrontational. Um, there just seems to be in the air a lot of conflict. Sure. And then when you talk about, um, you know, why, why do it? I mean, being present and whatnot. Talk to me a little bit about some of the tangible uh, uh, benefits uh, to health and well-being and all that. Well, let's talk about what mindfulness is. Sure. Okay. Mindfulness is, is, is stated as being, being present on purpose moment to moment, without judgment. So let's break those down. So being present, right? So not on uh, cell phone, computer, watching the TV, and then also um, you know, thinking about what you have to do tomorrow. Is that? Yeah. It's the exact opposite of our conditioned multitasking psyche in the modern society. We're conditioned to think that in order to be successful, we have to be able to multitask. Well, science has come out and said we can't. Our brain doesn't think that way, um, multi-level. It's linear. So at best, we can serially task. So you may have things all on your plate all mm -hmm. at the same time, but you're not going to manage them all effectively at the same time. And how does one avoid then the pitfall of multitasking or you just generally not being present? It's a, a practice, and this is what mindfulness and meditation and yoga, it's a practice that becomes a lifestyle. And in that practice, you change your conditioning. You make adjustments that enable you to be present with whatever the task is at hand, um, consciously. Now, cognitively, that's not sometimes difficult to do. You can find a very disciplined individual um, who will focus and concentrate and enable himself to be present and make choices that are, appear to be present. But there's so much that happens to us unconsciously that if we're not present with that, if we don't practice being present with that, it affects us. And a lot of these unconscious um, events, uh, thoughts, feelings, emotions, they happened some time ago. They happened when we were children. They happened in relationships when we were young adults. And so emotions flowed out of those. And some of those, many of those emotions, we didn't want to pay attention to. We didn't want to feel or address the pain, the fear, the anger, the worries, the doubts. Um, so we developed coping mechanisms. And one of the coping mechanisms, nah, let's just put that aside for now. We, we don't want to deal with that. But it doesn't go away. It's an emotion. And there's, there's studies, there's science now that talks a little bit about emotional intelligence, having the intelligence 
the awareness of your emotions, their effect on you. But the more I do this work and the more I talk to uh, my fellow human beings, the more I realize we are so disconnected from our feelings and our emotions. So, Peter, you talk about the sort of unconscious uh, feelings uh, from uh, days, years past. Um, how does one tune into those, acknowledge them, address, address them? Uh, it's a practice that mindfulness trains you for. Um, it's meditation, which also trains you. It's yoga, which also, um, with its practice, all of these are training you to be more aware and more conscious. And so consciousness, don't look at it as some spiritual thing. Consciousness could be just uh, connected to what's happening in the moment. That's where mindfulness, I think, comes into play and the way the training, the intention, the focus of it is sit and practice meditating as a start. Uh, the meditation might be on your breath, on your breathing. Being aware of it, noticing the sensations, noticing the subtle, the things that you would ignore or you would be too distracted by your thinking, for instance, because we're always thinking, we're always busy, we're always doing. And instead, practicing being present with something in the moment, your breath. So that's how the start of mindfulness and meditation along the mindfulness path begins. Meditating on your breath, bringing awareness to it, and then over time, perhaps you notice things more subtle, more unconscious. But the ultimate intention is being present with whatever's there. So just this morning, I had a student that I sat with, and he was sharing with me how his um, practice is going well. He's calm. He's relaxed. He's enjoying it. And so I have to make an adjustment with him to start helping him see that it's not just about being calm and relaxed. It's nice that that's a, a, um, an effect of your meditation when you first start. It's nice because it's a nice antidote to the constant ongoing stress, but that's going to shortchange your mindfulness because at some point in time, sitting with whatever's there will enable you to see the unconscious things you're sitting with your fears, your worries, but not only see them from the perspective of that they exist, how do they affect you? So mindfulness helps you with this. How do you react to these unconscious emotions? What is your pattern of behaving because of that? And so we're talking maybe one type of emotion might be anger, and it has gradations and degrees and experiences that are multiple, maybe millions of moments. And so mindfulness and meditation help you be with that. Now, that's kind of the long-term intention. What do you do today mm -hmm. with this stuff? Well, the meditation is part of the practice. And the practice is a, a, an intention to embody what you're doing. So embodying the capacity to shift your attention so that you can be calm, intentionally calm, and relaxed. So speaking of being calm and, and relaxed, I know you mentioned you wanted to, to lead us through a, a meditation. I don't know if this would be a good time for, for that or I, want to save think, it for I think it's a great time. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. This is a special, this is a, a, an exclusive Miami Real Estate Podcast, <laughs> our first meditation. Uh, let's, let's go through this. So first, Omar, just kind of sit tall, okay. uh, your feet planted on the, on the floor. Um, if you're comfortable doing so, close your eyes. And you guys uh, listening and watching, just uh, follow along with us. And uh, notice the sensations of sitting tall and sitting dignified. And then shift your attention, uh, your awareness to your breath. Notice it as you inhale, come into the nose, move down your throat, into the lungs, the chest, the belly. Notice the belly breathing a breath, 
exhaling. Feel the air move out of your throat and out of your nose. Listen, feel, center yourself and connect. Connect to this breath in nose and throat, lungs filling. And notice the chest, the ribs expanding. How's the sensations in the back, in the spine? Notice that. Notice the belly inflating like a balloon, deflating slowly, gently, exhaling the breath. And then just simply breathe in. Breathing out. Breathing in. And breathing out. Just letting the breath flow. Letting go of resistance. Noticing resistance the moments when perhaps a thought manifests, interrupts. Maybe you're feeling something physically sitting, uncomfortable or uncomfortable or comfortable. Notice that. Notice how the mind wanders, perhaps sounds, overheard, perhaps feelings that rise up. Notice it and then shift your attention, your awareness back to your breath, to your breathing, listening, feeling. Breathing in and dropping in, letting go of the distractions of thinking, of doing, and just being still for a moment, enjoying the calm of it, the quiet, the stillness, the peace. Peace, peace, just one moment, peace. So very gently take a long, lung-filling breath in and slowly exhale it and begin to open your eyes slow like noticing the rays of light and noticing the colors and use the shapes and forms and so now I ask you how did that feel uplifting in a sense where as you say you know let go of your thoughts and sort of just be in the moment just a sort of serenity yeah yeah. Did you notice yourself letting go of thoughts? Did you notice the thinking? Did that come in or I I more so because of I was more tuned into sounds. Yes. So through yeah. walls here in, in the yes. studio I hear somebody closing a deal. Yes. More tuned into that than yeah. than I was when we were uh, speaking at first. Yeah. So in the practice you notice these things. Mm -hmm. But you don't hide from them. You notice them and then you come back. Mhm. Mm to the focus of, in this case, the breath, the breathing. It might be just sitting, stillness, when we do longer periods of meditation, um, where you go into your body and you pay attention to what you're feeling in your body. And there's a body scan meditation that's part of mindfulness as well. That can, it's normally about 30, 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And you're just kind of, 
surveying, purveying, surveying your body and uh, noticing it. Right. And you mentioned earlier uh, before we began that there's no right or wrong time to meditate, correct? The key is to do it regularly? Yes. Consistency, continuity. Those are the keys. Because you're taking something that is not habitual, you haven't done it regularly, and you're trying to make it, as I think I said to you, I don't know if I said it on the air, as if you were brushing your teeth every day. It's that kind of a health benefit even more. Because we're talking about something that is um, important to balancing our health, wellness, and well-being. This is a practice that can take the distractiveness of thinking and doing and planning that creates anxieties, stress, um, a lot of things that over time, the stress and the adrenaline and the cortisol that it produces in the body, those chemicals, they, they kind of lock into your body. And they manifest in things that, you know, science is directly connecting to stress now. Um, high blood pressure, hypertension, um, heart attacks, strokes, um, diabetes, depression, anxiety. Uh, and so... What if you have an antidote that you just have to take and practice every day? And that's what mindfulness meditation is. And with time and with the beginning of practice, you'll start to see things. When you first start this um, and you're diligent doing it pretty much every day, it's almost right away you'll notice a change in your reactivity. You're not as aggressive, perhaps. You're not as agitated, perhaps. You're not as irritated, perhaps. And you haven't gotten to the source of all of it, just notice it. Sure. And in addition to the, the, the health benefits, let's say, um, there's also the uh, benefits of the, the, the focus and the clarity and from yes. a business perspective allows. Yes. You yeah. had the grades, like we were talking about Steve Jobs and, and whatnot, applying these, yes. you know, these, these techniques. So part of this, when I work privately with individuals, one of the first I give them tools, and one of the first tools I give them is, <laughs> you're going to laugh, the breath. And what I try to guide them to do is the next time they feel irritated or agitated, they feel stress coming on, and they feel their mind spinning out of control thinking about an issue that they're, or a challenge, to pause and take a breath. And if nothing else, what I have learned to share, you've distracted yourself from the distractiveness. You've moved away from whatever anger or fear or worry or doubt that is starting to take you into telling yourself a long story about everything that's going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. Working yourself up. and Yes. Um, I, I love it. It's, it's very true and, and resonating. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami Real Estate. We're talking about mindfulness techniques with Peter Kalin, yoga warrior extraordinaire. If you like what you're hearing, feel free to rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. So Peter, let's keep this going. Um, uh, fascinating all around. We're talking, we're breaking down the, the tenets here of mindfulness. We talked about being present. You also mentioned being on purpose. Uh, walk me through that a little bit, if you will. So on purpose is intending to live and be in the moment. And the intention probably best relates to being conscious as opposed to living and being in the moment unconsciously. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would ref relate the on purpose. Mm -hmm. So being present is, is essentially the, the physical act of being present in the moment and then being on purpose is the, the conscious desire and sort of, I don't know if policing is a good word, but keeping yourself with the intention of being present and following through on that, yes. correct? Yes. Being aware when you're not being present. 
And then you also talked about uh, the moment to moment. So help me understand that aspect of, of the mindfulness. So from one moment to an each to another, we have an experience. We have a life experience. Mm -hmm. We're not attuned enough because we haven't been conditioned to kind of view our life that way. But we can always go back in our memory and view one moment as crucial, critical, um, incredibly impactful. It, it could be a moment that gave us absolute delight. It could be a moment of terror. But we have many moments that we don't necessarily register the same way. They're not highlighted in our mind. So we tend to kind of go through our life in chapters almost, in paragraphs, when we have all these moments we're living and existing. So if we could keep that in mind, then what it can do is you're not living a moment in the future, and you're not living a moment in the past. You're recognizing the value, the gift of this moment, and that's where you, you bring your focus to. And you practice doing that because nothing will serve you uh, reflecting back on what you could have done, what if, what you regret. And worrying about things, because I know in the real estate industry, there's closing the deal, and you know there's a lot of stress and anxiety over that. Um, and so worrying about that isn't going to serve you being present with, hey, what if an opportunity comes my way? What if I'm clear enough so that I can say what I need to say at the right moment, as opposed to not being present and thinking about, well, what if this deal doesn't happen? What am I going to do? Am I going to be able to pay my rent? Am I going to be able to buy my car? You know, instead, and this is, this is kind of the feedback that I get from my students, you get clarity. Mm -hmm. It seems to manifest in ways, and I attribute it to not being distracted. You're present. You're present with all the subtle, with the body language clues that maybe your client uh, or your um, competitor is showing you. You're present with the, um, you're present with your intuition. Mm -hmm. I think if you survey most successful business executives, entrepreneurs, they'll tell you their intuition had an incredible impact on their success, just following their gut. Well, and also I, I feel like the, I agree 100%, I feel like in being moment to moment that allows you to also enjoy the experience, right? Because yes. one thing is, is worrying about what's next, but then the other part is I think a lot of us fall into is that idea of, let's say when I make that sale, I reach X amount of you know production or when you talked about the car, when I get this car, when I buy that house, when I do X, Y, Z, then I'll be happy. And eventually by the time you get there, it's, you know, eventually we all die. Uh, yeah. You know, you run out of time. So I think it's important to enjoy the journey in the moment, uh, as yeah. you're saying. Yeah, that's a that's an incredible point that you're making. And I can relate it back to my own life. I had successes throughout my life, uh, an abundance of um, opportunities. You know, being an African-American, coming up in this culture at the time that I did, to have the kind of opportunities and success that I did, I didn't realize how... Um, fortunate and blessed I had been. I kept from the time that I started competing as an athlete, I kept always wanting more, never satisfied. And that just carried its way on with my career. Unfortunately, at times it affected my, my marriage. Um, I have a wonderful wife, wonderful children. At times I didn't spend enough time with them. And, you know, Part of, I think, what happened to me in this mindfulness yoga correction is it was a midlife correction where I recognized I needed to reinvent some things. I needed to adjust some things. Yoga is about awareness and adjustment. So that principle, you make an adjustment. It's intended to be physical. That's what we know in the Western culture, but it's much deeper than that. It's at all the levels of consciousness making adjustments. So that's one of the things that, that I became aware of and it really has been life transformative for me it's amazing and I, and I like a midlife correction as opposed to midlife crisis it's like <laughs> are you ready for your midlife correction so the um the last uh, the fourth 
aspect of, of the mindfulness that, that I heard you mention is then without judgment. Mm. So we talked about being present, being on purpose, and being moment to moment. So break down without judgment for me. That's always a challenge to kind of try to explain um, because we're so used to bringing in our, our judgments about things. That's how we function. That's how we stay safe. Um, that's how we're successful. But mindfulness is trying to encourage us so that we can see what's present. Don't bring in your past. How can you formulate a judgment if you haven't had a past experience with it? Mm -hmm. So there's always this um, possibility that you won't be present because you're reaching conclusions mm -hmm. based on the conditioning, the behaviors, your past experiences that are now being used to judge this moment. Oh, that person, you know, needs to lose some weight. You know, okay, where do you get that from? You know? Or even as, as, as I'm, I'm hearing you talk, you know, let's say from a realtor's perspective, going into a deal, uh, perhaps with a, a realtor or a buyer for some reason, they automatically think, this isn't going to go the way I want it to go, or yeah. they're going to give me a hard time, or X, Y, yeah. Z, yeah. based maybe on a past experience yes. or something or whatnot. Yeah. And so I, I see what you're saying in terms of the challenge one would face in terms of, let's say, the intuition or the or the their rationale or whatnot versus the, um, you know, being without judgment. How does one? How do you encourage somebody to walk that fine line? By continuously improving your awareness. Mm. This is one of the things I learned from yoga. I've, I've concluded that yoga starts with awareness. And on that journey, you become aware of, first in Western culture, your physical body, um, your breath, your breathing, your mental state is part of it as well. In this philosophy of yoga, it has dedicated doctrine towards each and every one of those. And so the awareness can shift in mindfulness, it does, to being aware of when you're being judgmental. And being aware of how it affects not only your judgment, but how you're feeling. Because if you're feeling anger, fear, worry, you're going to feel stressed. And stress changes the mental chemical structure. I mean, produces chemicals that are intended to protect us. Stress was something primeval that helped us survive as humans. We had to either fight or flight or hide. And it helped survive, but now, and there's some just interesting, fascinating stuff out there, we're continuously stressed. And I, I remember reading once from um, something from Carolyn Mist, where she said that in the modern culture, in the modern centuries, the 20th century, there was a, a global stress that moved in. And it's never, that cloud has never been lifted. And it was so insightful when she said, the threat of nuclear annihilation is always sitting in the back of our consciousness. Knowing that we as humans have the capacity to destroy the planet, just the push of a button. So that kind of is an underlay, an undercurrent to a stress that we live in. And then all the technology that we have is the more modern, not so much equivalent, but um, it creates a lot of stress because we never disconnect. We're always not necessarily present with the moment, we're present someplace else. Mm -hmm. And that can be 24 seven, it's continuous, it's, it's incessant. And as you practice, you'll start to perhaps realize we need moments of stillness. We used to get those moments before our modern world, 
moved in with technology. We had moments years ago, centuries ago, where we could be still. We were still. But now it's almost like, oh, I can't do that. That's boring. <laughs> I have to keep moving. I have to keep doing. Well, it's funny you, you mentioned that because I, I feel like whenever I go to do anything, even if I'm going to the grocery store or the gym or whatnot, I'm like putting in the, the AirPods, what podcast am I going to listen to curate my my walk down the aisles, right? <laughs> yeah. It's never like you're yeah. fully shut off. Yeah. Yeah. And your psyche and your spirit and your body needs moments of stillness. Mm -hmm. It's healthy. And as you practice, you'll start noticing the effects of the calm. Um, your focus, your clarity, that helps. Your awareness shifts to noticing things that before maybe you ignored that were not good health, mm -hmm. not good health practices. So that's the kind of shift that comes into play the more you practice this and the more you release some of the conditioning that has been in place over the years. You've done it that way. I, I've always done it this way. And with successful business people, I suspect with suspect, successful realtors, doing it that way has worked for them. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen recently with a couple of um, my students, clients who are real estate professionals, developers, uh, agents. Um, one of the things I notice is a kind of freezing, a kind of um, lack of passion. Um, Uh, a jaundiced view of what they're doing to earn a living. So I'm trying to find the words for a loss of passion for mm -hmm. their work. And then because it's such an uh, intense kind of mundane is the word I was looking for, mm -hmm. way that you sometimes have to keep reaching out until you get a bit of business and you close a deal. So much has to happen before that happens. And you have to be continuous in your, your activity, continuous in your, um, in your contacts with people. It can be sometimes, it, I, I'm understanding, a little mundane mm -hmm. and a little anxiety producing. And sometimes depression sets in when things aren't going like you want, when you want, how you want. And this is where this practice of mindfulness comes in. And so this would be, uh, so, right, so how would you, how do you coach your students then to uh, overcome, let's say, that sense of mundaneness or loss of passion? Is this through the uh, techniques we're talking about here on being present and, and on purpose and moment to moment and whatnot? Yeah, that's one part. Then the other part is in the meditation and in the instance where they are telling themselves a story, mm -hmm. recognizing that. Um, there's abundance in their lives. And so the story isn't the truth. It's not the reality of the moment. It's something that's being projected. And where is it coming from? Can you pause, take a breath, sit with it? Is it coming from fear? Is it coming from worry? Is it coming from doubt? Is it consistent with the experiences of your life? Um, this is something a little, this is a little nuance where Sometimes I'll look at one of my students, I'll say, look at your life. Are you, are you impoverished? Look where you live. We're in Miami, we're in paradise. Look at your bank account. You know, if you want to compare, compare yourself to the majority of the population on the planet and you're blessed. So what are you fretting about so much? What, what, what is really happening here? And so sometimes that gives the pause to mm -hmm. step back and realize, okay, it's not as bad as I think it is. Um, recognizing I'm telling myself a story and I should pause, take a breath, calm myself down, distract myself from that line of thinking and bring myself present. So Peter, in terms of 
applying these uh, wonderful uh, techniques and principles of mindfulness into the workplace. What uh, could you give me an idea of some tools and tips that our, our listeners and viewers can apply into their day to day? One of the easiest is to apply is the one I mentioned before. So summarizing, when you feel, I like to say, irritated, you're agitated by a situation you're dealing with, a challenge you're facing, pause and take a breath. Notice it. Notice it how it makes you feel. And if you still feel distracted mentally, challenged, maybe even physically, take a breath. And so these breaths just shift from a moment where perhaps you were feeling stressed or anxious or agitated. And sometimes, oftentimes, it'll stop that feeling and you can be more present with what's going on. The, the other thing that can be done is to sometimes just pause and walk away. Mindfully walk, be very present with how you're feeling and noticing, for instance, your feet walking on the floor. So again, you move away from the stress, the stressful thinking thoughts, and um, you are more mindful of something more, not just whatever is plaguing you in that moment, challenging you as you stress, something more. Um, another tool, and this is one that you just would do regularly throughout the day, is you know we hold a lot of tension at our desk. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, between the computers and the, the phones, um, the neck. So it helps to just kind of sit in your desk if you want. Sit nice and tall. Take a couple of breaths. It's invigorating, it's energizing. You can move your arms if it uh, makes sense in your office environment. If you can't, then you can just roll your shoulders and this helps release some of the tension in the neck and the shoulder blades, like you kind of rub it out. You might massage, it's like almost like you're massaging it out yourself. You could bring down your chin to your chest and watch your belly take a breath. You'll hear your breath. You'll feel it. Um, you can sometimes because the back we, you know, the back holds so much of our of our problems. The weight of the world we carry it in our lower mm -hmm. back. We, you know, we carry our anxieties and stresses in our shoulder blades, but the weight of the world, our responsibilities we hold in our lower back. So sometimes I suggest to people just kind of. Bring your head down between your legs and relax, take a breath. You could probably do that hidden away, even though I know the in office environments aren't as private, some of them anymore. Uh, even cubicles aren't norm. But if you don't care, if you're not uh, concerned with how you know embarrassed or anything, then do that. And I, if, if, if it was a student of mine, you would hear me say, why are you placing so much importance on what someone is thinking of you when this could be for your better health and well-being? This simple moment of stretch. Right, and I imagine that it would probably have a positive contagion effect on your coworkers and those could. around you that would want to could. Uh, participate. Yeah, yeah it could. Um, so those are the things. The other thing for real estate professionals, just recognize that the mundane the boring is is just a it's a it's an anxious state of consciousness and it's not the reality of your moment and so sometimes taking a breath and not being caught up in the worry and doubt of closing a deal or the fact that the deal didn't close and then just being present again rather than in the past regretting what ifing or in the future, worrying and doubting when you could be present doing calls or visits, connecting socially that you need to do as a, a real estate professional.
Absolutely. And so for our, our listeners, our audience out there that's interested in, in learning more about these principles and also the services that you offer, where can they go? Um, for the services, they can go to my website, theyogawarrior.org. Um, you can also call me and um, have a conversation if you want to learn more. Uh, the number is 305-725-0119. And if you don't reach me, leave a message. We'll include that in the show notes as well for um, readers. Okay. Um, I do work privately with individuals, but I also have put on a, several mindfulness-based stress reduction eight-week trainings. And so those are, uh, I have some upcoming later in the year, but I'm not the only one. There's other mindfulness instructors. Miami Mindfulness is one of them that comes to mind. And so I would encourage, there's, there's a program at UM as well. So if it works better for you to take an eight-week program on mindfulness-based stress reduction, which kind of reviews, develops practices that I've mentioned today, but in a more formal way, and there's even more information provided, more practices um, that, are, that are helpful in developing, again, another way of living your life without the reactivity that creates stress without the conditioned reactivity of your stressors. Um, so those are available as well. And, you know, you can look on um, the Internet mm -hmm. for mindfulness programs. Those are the ones that come to mind. Miami has a few. But sure. um, um, I just would invite your audience to take a breath and just notice it and start with that see how they feel and then maybe sit a little longer another minute and just build on it and that'll start their journey towards mindfulness and that'll start their meditation i tend to want to keep it simple and available accessible and that's one way. I like it. Um, Peter, we're going to leave it there. This was amazing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this was Peter Kalin, Yoga Warrior extraordinaire. You can find more info about him at theyogawarrior.org. Check out his eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction professional development program. Uh, as a reminder, Miami Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by Cervera Newsroom at Cervera Real Estate, Miami's neighborhood experts since 1969. If you'd like to explore a career with Cervera Real Estate, visit CerveraCareers.com to learn more. I'm your host, Omar DeWint, Alex Ayub, our associate producer. From all of us uh, here in Miami, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or visit MiamiRealEstatePodcast.com. You can also suggest a topic there. From all of us here in Miami, where the future is always bright. Until next time, folks. Mm -hmm.